0: why aren't you doing something to impact the world right and then it becomes obvious at least me that of course you should do something to impact the world in a good way of course you should you know so that's why that's uh, all, my, all my drive force is based on that uh, we need to make the world better in any way we can uh, if we don't nobody will period
1: Hi everyone, my name is Mark Hooley and I am one of the founders of CollabMaker. Welcome to our new podcast where you will hear from experts and change makers who have already decided they wanted to use their skills and experiences to help make the world a better place by using business as a force for good. Our goal with the podcast is to provide you with lots of useful information and practical advice from real people who are already making positive difference for people and the planet. Hi everyone, and welcome to the Club Maker podcast. On today's show, we're going to be talking about how to turn an idea into a purpose-driven business. We'll be talking to Victoria from Dream Fusset and P-Man from Dose Medbox. We're going to hear how they started their business journey, why listening to your customers and focusing on their needs is essential to having a successful business, why our perception of failure needs to change, and why it's so important to get outside of our comfort zone and to fail. This show was recorded before the recent tragic events in Ukraine which is why there's no mention. Our thoughts go to everyone in Ukraine. We'll continue on to the podcast now. So, hi, Victoria.
2: Thank you uh, very much. Great re- uh, being here.
1: I'm P-Man. Yeah, thanks, Mark. It's great to be here. Great. So if we start today's show, can you give me a bit of background about how you started your entrepreneurial journey?
2: Well, I claim my beginning to be when I was 11. It was together with my uh, girlfriend, Linda. Uh, We're still best friends uh, today, almost 40 years later. We decided to put out a a newspaper called Snap. So we wrote our own short uh, stories and uh, put together. And then we made sure that our parents copied it at their workplace. And uh, we assembled about 10 pages in every uh, paper. And then we actually sold it. To all our neighbors and friends and again, made sure that our parents took it to their workplace and half of the money, half of the profit, already when I was 11, went to the Red Cross, went to a social good uh, purpose. So I've kept going since uh, then. So I'm almost, uh, I'm closing in on uh, being an entrepreneur for more than, uh, yeah, it's more than 35 uh, years now.
1: What attracted you to running a business at such a young age?
2: Well, I think now that I now when I'm a little older and I know my family history, I have it. I'm one of these entrepreneurs that have it in my blood stream, and I'm also one of these people that very early on in life, for as long as I can remember, so at least seven, five, seven years old, I've always wanted to make a difference somehow. I've uh, I've been I've been super curious, and I always, when I was younger, I ran like clubs like uh, secret societies uh, organized people to do things my friends uh, my my dearest oldest friends they still remind me of this so there nobody was really surprised that i turned their clubs and secret you know associations into companies and business ideas i see possibilities where other people see holes and um, i see green where people see sand so that's me
1: seeing possibilities where other people see holes is really important and it strikes me there could it also be some really interesting stories in your secret societies
2: well i don't know if i can tell them then they wouldn't be secrets anymore <laughs> but it's all i think um, i think i think everyone today should have a secret society you should gather you should gather your friends around if you have a common uh, interest in something And my non-so-secret association right now is Kultuvrtamterna in Gothenburg. It's all of us who love the culture activities. So it's like the culture aunties and even men are welcome. Uh, But it's just an excuse um, to go out and go to the theater, go to shows, go and look at graffiti. But just to gather your friends to do something fun and, and meet up and talk about it. It's just a damn excuse to have some fun.
1: And P Man, what were your first steps into the world of business?
0: Yeah, well, it started out in 2010. I just wanted to, you know, start a company naively. I wanted to explore, and I hooked up with my friends, my best friends, and said, "Hey, it's time. Let's start something." And they were like, what, "What? What should we do?" and then we had all of these brainstorms like we should, we can do quadcopters because they weren't called you know drones back then <laughs> it was quadcopters and then it was like uh, we ended up wanting to do something to change the world because i also like you victoria wanted to you know have an impact in the world so we ended up trying to do health stuff for health and we want the first thing we wanted to do is was uh, to see if we can help Uh, asthma um, patients by measuring their you know capacity digitally with a new sensor stuff and connected to a mobile app that's how it started and then uh, going from engineering perspective into business was tough it's, it was a good lesson to go from that angle because I ended up having a really hard time and uh, learning a lot the hard way until I understood that you have to go, you know, focus on needs and what needs you're fulfilling with your product. Going from a technical point of view, what's the coolest thing to do right now, quadcopters, to actually what needs are you, you know, fixing
1: What really interests me about your journey is that it sounds as much a journey of self-discovery. Can you talk more about the process you went through from an engineer to running a business? And I'm sure Victoria can provide lots of good insights from her side too.
0: Yeah. I made microchips for satellites, so I was really techie. So, you know, we we started to look at the technology. We wanted to do. We ended up deciding to do a fertility monitor for people to uh, get pregnant. But we didn't know that that part, the last part. I said that's uh, we found out later. We wanted to do it for preventive measures and to help people get pregnant. So we went to the tech side, like, hey, there is this thing. Over there, they're doing it. Why we can do it better. So we went full tank. Let's do a sensor. That's a bad idea. <laughs> That's a bad idea. We ended up working full year with no money. We only did it, you know, evenings and weekends. So when you have this, you know, little time to do things, it's not smart to end up, you know, developing the sensor. A small part in a big much bigger picture but you just saw this part you thought we thought if we get this part done then we're a success everybody's gonna you know use this thing the thing that i said here that part like hey let's do this thing and then it's gonna work multiply that by 20 that's my journey like i felt stupid every time like hey, hey we're not done. We also need this part, and then it expanded, right? So and then loop. So we looped and looped and never learned until the end. And the end was when we actually have finished the product and then wanted to sell it. Who's gonna buy it? They, they didn't. Even, you know, we didn't have any marketing. We, we didn't any research on markets or any stuff like that. We had done that, but how do we actually get people to use it then? No idea. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was really painful to 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 learn all of that stuff. Uh, you know, tech is not the thing really. You have to understand people.
2: But I think payment what you are describing now is something that most entrepreneurs that come to us at set, This is what they do. Uh, you you tend to fail faster. If you're staying at home in your own basement, around your own kitchen table, in your own cave uh, to develop things, because you're having your own secret society that nobody knows about. (laughs) So what I learned over the years is to bring that secret society and, and face it with fresh air and actual people, you know, to make the secret not secret, to make it public instead. So that early on, and I think both of us in our entrepreneurial journeys have realized that now that... It is about very early on, almost the same time as you have the idea, to go out there and start talking to potential customers yes. to verify the need that they have. And I mean, and this is all whole purpose at Drivhuset, to enable and help and support entrepreneurial thinking to just increase the chance of success because the faster you can confirm that there's a need for your product even if it's a tiny little bit on a grand uh, scale of things that need to be uh, doing your chances of success is going to be so much uh, higher and if you can also find a way then to get paid early on for your development time even better
0: yeah and The thing is that what you're doing at Dreyfuset is actually if the entrepreneurs listen to this, you're going to save time, money, headaches, and you're going to make some person happy because they're going to use your product faster and and be happy with it faster. So it's great what you're doing at Dreyfuset.
2: But I mean, we love it because our success is when you succeed. Mm-hmm. That's the joy of coming to work here is uh, is watching both of you that I'm talking to now succeed and just uh, gain traction and um, just come to market because both of your services is filling a need on the market, a very, very clear need. So more, more of these ideas. And I know it's a lonely journey out there. It's not so fun running a secret association. In your basements alone. It's a lot more fun when we can meet at least as at, like we're doing right now uh, on a podcast, on a video stream than sitting by ourselves. So yay for the secret, but uh, have the public version also meet the public.
1: And what strikes me when you're talking about speaking to customers and getting customer feedback as well mm-hmm. is then those first customers can go and tell other people about how good your service or product is as well. So theoretically, you're solving some of the marketing problems P-Man talked about at the beginning as well.
2: Absolutely. If you're asking the questions right, you are actually what you're doing. You're building a relationship. You know, you're adding on to your not secret but a public society. So where people have a relationship with you and want to continue having a conversation, and that's the beginning of a beautiful customer journey.
1: If you're not speaking to your customers, why are you speaking to the other people? Because they're not going to give you the feedback you need, are they?
0: Yeah, but you know, it's it's not that easy though, especially if you're technically driven. You don't many. I'm uh, I like talk to people, but most of my colleagues tend to be, you know, a little more reserved and don't want to engage in, in contact with, uh, not everybody, of course, but there are a lot of technician hardcore technical people. So it's hard for me to tell them, like, hey, you know, you need to go and talk to people. Oh, Why should I do, it's iffy, like, no, no, you know, I don't want to. So th- there's a, you know, you have to help out. Push push that through because it's super important because they are the people that you're going to help. So you need to be close to them.
1: How do you break down those barriers then? Like you say to the, the technical people who may or maybe non-technical people as well who have difficulties or may not see the importance of speaking to customers or users?
0: I, I push. I just push them uh, gently. <laughs> But because uh, after a while, um, you know, we're all humans. So they see if their product is helping somebody, they get a kick out of it. So they continue to want to get that kick again. So gently nudge them towards that, the the customers, and then it will sustain itself, usually.
2: Well, when uh, we started, I tell you, back in 2003, I was in charge of uh, sales then also, and uh, I actually convinced David, who refused, if he's listening now, David fendrich he refused to come uh, with me. He's, he's one of the, still today, one of the most uh, talented system developers uh, within artificial intelligence that I have ever and probably will ever meet. But he was very hesitant in joining out But because I came back with strange demands and wishes from clients, I said, well, then you please join me to a meeting and you help me bring home the not so strange demands and wishes. You see how easy that is, you know, and he realized, you know, and we had it actually turned out really well because I also learned as a salesperson to not oversell or sell things that we shouldn't be selling right now that i i, I learned also to sell uh, things that we could already provide much faster in a time in a shorter time span and i think david brought home to our other technical staff that it is he actually did enjoy himself. I don't know if he'll ever admit that, but um, I know that he works uh, today with 1050 with, with a lot more customers closer than he did in the beginning in in the beginning of the 2000s. So you can actually learn from each other, but it's exactly what you said, Payman. When you see where the benefit goes, you know, when you can really see the people that really benefit, like I am benefiting from your uh, from your invention, the dose box, you know, I think anyone of your staff that wants to speak to me, I will tell them over and over again, you know, how much time and heartache uh, this uh, invention has saved in my life.
1: So that's a good example. P-Man, how do you speak to your customers at the moment? Or how would your team reach out and speak to uh, people like Victoria?
0: Well, at the moment, um, I, I two, two ways, just by... Uh, when they contact us, like, hey, uh, I'm, uh, can't you do this feature? Then we, I usually ask them for their number. If they want, they give it to me. Then I, and it hasn't happened once that they don't give me the number. That's, it's pretty weird. So then I call them, and I, you know, establish a, a relationship. My intention is always to make sure that the people I talk to understand that we really, really care about them. And it it shines through. So, I think you should have that in the back of your mind when you're doing something for somebody. You have to have that intention to really want to help them out, and that will shine through. But we have also made a chat function inside the app now, which we're using, and it's it's really nice because then the you know whole conversation is saved there. We can you know we've developed it. Uh, just to have this kind of a relationship with our customers uh, and uh, we're going to continue developing that you know that part of the app because it's important for us to be close to the customers. that's
1: really insightful and if i think about uh, going back to you know if i'm wandering around with an idea in my head or a problem i want to solve speaking to the customers is a key thing what else should i be doing to turn the idea or the, the challenge i want to try and solve into a reality
2: i think uh, change makers uh, unite Uh, Carrying this one idea that you have around in your own head, you know, debating with yourself, um, not a good idea. So try and find people uh, more than welcome always to all of us at Yesbox in uh, Gothenburg to do that. But I'm sure you have friends around that you should be talking to because it's still when you have to describe whatever dream or idea that you have to somebody else. This is when it actually becomes alive. It becomes a reality. Yeah. Uh, and 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 then you can then you can feel it happening. Then then you've uh, you've launched this on the road. You've hatched an egg and it's becoming a bird that will soar over the mountains. But if you're not talking about it and keeping it a secret. Like uh, the idea makers uh, Peter uh, didn't held this idea of uh, our company, I Tell You Secret, for 10 years. He had it in a chest of drawers. And it never, of course, developed until, until you know, to anything. Again, until 20, 2002, when he told uh, two, two younger women, you know, one of them me, you know, he told us about this one idea. And we say, hey, that sounds really fun. You know, and we together started developing it. And it actually became a really good company in the end. So... Who knows? But you got to
0: find people to talk to about it.
1: So don't wander around with an idea in your head. Do something about it.
0: No, because ideas are not worth anything until you realise them. And this is another thing I've learned. I have very little respect for ideas because I, I myself can come up with ideas very easily. And not a lot of people do, but I do. And I, even though I do that, the ideas aren't worth anything anything until you first try them out and as you said victor if you don't tell anybody about it then you just you know keeping the treasure that potential treasure it's not a treasure unless you do so and another thing is that you have to it resonates if it resonates with the right people then you have a potential partner you know which you also need You, you can't be alone I mean, you can, but it's better to have a partner to share the burden with.
1: I think sharing ideas is so important. Like you, I'm an ideas person, but an idea is worthless if it's just staying in your head or you don't do anything about it. If you have an idea, there is a big chance someone else in the world has also had that idea. So it's not as innovative as you really think. As soon as you get feedback, you can improve it make it better and better. And it's only through speaking with customers can you make something that customers generally want. Why is purpose so important to you both?
2: I'm 100% driven. I mean, I wake up in the morning because I believe just as Drivhuset's mission is, we believe that entrepreneurship is everyone's business. And that we're all change makers. I also, uh, personally, I add on to that with that everything is possible. And and with these uh, three sentences, my day for the rest of my life is formed. Because everything I ever want to do fits within these uh, three sentences. And if it doesn't, I'm not doing it. So even when it's raining or storming or things have not gone my way, these three sentences get me out of bed and they get me in a good mood. And I've learned uh, one more really clever thing. I mean, it's to write down things that you are grateful for. Based on this, write down every morning three to five things that you're grateful for. And if you're not smiling, then.
1: Yes, that is something everyone should do. If nothing else, after listening, do this straight away. I listened to a podcast recently and the guest was saying that every morning everyone should high-five themselves in the mirror because it gives you a chance to like yourself and high-fiving anyone releases endorphins so why would anyone not want to do that
0: yeah definitely
1: and uh, why is it making an impact or purpose so important to you p man
0: so i let, let's uh flip the question why aren't you do, doing something to impact the world right and then it becomes obvious at least me that of course you should do something to impact the world in a good way of course you should you know so that's why that's uh, all, my, all my drive force is based on that uh, we need to make the world better in any way we can uh, if we don't nobody will period
1: I completely agree. Like, why would you, anyone not want to make the world a better place? One of the things you mentioned earlier was you, you realized when you'd failed or, you know, you needed to stop. What told you? You'd failed match that chip? Failure may be a wrong word, but you know me.
0: No, no, failure is the exactly right word because you need to fail and you need to fail fast. That's the whole thing. You, you have to mature. Entrepreneurship is a, it's a maturing game if you don't go through the steps of maturing then you're not going to be an entrepreneur you're going to you know give up you have you have already given up during that period if you so so just as a, an example i had two other partners started the business with me and you know we ended up uh, i ended up buying their shares we're still best friends which is rare i think but they said to me that if we hadn't done this journey, we, uh, one of them is a CEO for a smaller company and the other one is CTO for a bigger company, they wouldn't be in those positions. So the whole, this is the maturity thing I'm talking about. And you need to fail. You need to cry. You need to have this, you know, hard, you know, stuff through your heart to become a better entrepreneur. So the failure part is pretty hard to miss because when you are, for instance, you have a finished product and you want to sell it. Nobody's buying it. You have failed. It's like, it hits you in the head pretty quickly. You have to go through that.
2: Failing is a clear mark. This was not the road now. Yeah. And failing is a good, uh, it's a good way to, uh, to stop you, to pause you, you know, to make you think. Yes, Swedes. I think, in a, in particular, I must say, are very afraid of these harsh feelings of being angry and disappointed. And uh, I think a lot of people in the world are really afraid of uh, crying. And I think, and I think, we should just do lots more of that. Lots, lots, uh, lots more of it. I've done all of it. Check. I've had a bankruptcy. I've failed miserably at uh, projects in uh, in Morocco where I had invested all my heart in building this uh, well with a hole village you know the school building would have been better they would have had uh, better you know the children could have had toilets they could have had running water for school lunch you know we had engaged all of the community but we just simply failed to this day I will never know exactly why I will have but it's like you said also this makes you better because the next day or even the day after even if you just take a day to be really pissed you're going to be so eager to go again Because you know you're in it for the rush of actually finding a solution to the whole, to the problem. And when you go again, you carry the failure as your wisdom. You know, that becomes your parachute. That uh, becomes, you know, you're you're saving everything. If I wouldn't have had that, you know, I probably would have died in the Sahara, you know, out of stubbornness. Instead, I had to, in part, fail again and just say goodbye to the Sahara and come back to Gothenburg. Up to this day, it still feels like a big failure of not being able to stay. But come on, we had the pandemic and we had many things politically and otherwise, you know, working against us there and me being a woman. But let me tell you, this is my strong part from those other driving forces. Going at it again, giving it another shot is what gives me the wonderful energy I have today when I'm back in Gothenburg, creating miracles in the suburbs. So, hey, those failures, fuel. They're equal to
0: fuel. Yeah. And if you don't fail, you need to also know if you're really an entrepreneur or not, because it's not for everybody either, because you have to really do it again and again and again. You have to be, you know, at it again and fail again and again. I'm still failing today all the time. So if you're not that kind of person that can take that kind of, you know, blow to your self-esteem, to your, you know, person. To everybody around you, to your family, to your children, then you you cannot be an entrepreneur. But I think that everybody should try it. You maybe surprise yourself. Is there a perception problem
1: we have with failing then? Because actually, I completely agree with what you both say, like you become stronger and a better person by failing. If I look back on what I've personally, my growth journey in the past two years is probably i've learned more than probably 10 years previously but there's a natural aversion in society when failing whereas if we look at all the massive challenges the world is facing we have to try fail adapt learn and just embrace failing rather than you know be scared of
0: failing right on
2: I think we just need, uh, I need to, I think we need to just wear different glasses. I mean, I'm wearing glasses. So with this, uh, if we can, if we can send people with one thing today is just wear different glasses where failing is one of your driving forces because failing is just, again, like what I said before, is proven not that road today. It could actually work tomorrow again, but maybe you need to wear red socks instead of green tomorrow, you know, or you need to dance along the path. Instead of walk, we don't know. But failing is not a bad word. It's something that will happen. It's like you said, Payman. It is just part of life. And if you think about it, we all fail every day at something. Yeah. So it's just about changing the perception of that word. It's, it's not a bad word. It's a driving force.
1: The findings we'll get from failing will enable us to tread a better path in the future.
2: And this also makes us human because no human is perfect failing makes that that's just a constant proof that we're human yeah
0: i agree totally yeah
1: i couldn't agree more talking about developing ideas and speaking to your first customers one of the challenges uh, you mentioned earlier p man was actually getting you know you do all this work and then you find out whoa we don't have any customers and i know you know you've got really Impressive sales background, Victoria. So how do, how do you get or what recommendations do you have for people in order to get first customers?
2: Just go into looking to your first client, knowing this is going to be the toughest one, but also the most uh, fun you'll have. Because the joy you will feel when you have a conversation and find out the needs and solve a problem for that first person client company organization uh, the thrill you get there you know the the adrenaline boost is fantastic it's fantastic Uh, but really try and listen in i try to encourage how to get the first client is by really listening you need to drop your ego completely you need to drop that you think that you know what it is that you're going to offer because you don't you need to your only the key here is really listening to the person that you're talking to what is it that they need? You're coming in with your expertise, with your service, your product or, you know, just service idea. And then it's your job to adapt it. And And people sell not the big thing. Just sell a little tiny piece, sell the starting point. See that as a beginning of a long journey that you will have together. Don't do like the carpet salesman talented salespeople in uh, Marrakesh, you know, the only goal is to sell you the carpet for the highest value possible, because you will never step into their carpet store again. Well, that's a fantastic way of doing sales, but that's not how I recommend it. It's try and find one need that you will solve, and the tinier, the better almost, and then find a way in that first meeting even to put a price tag on it and to shake hands. And then you go from there. That's not going to pay your month's bills, probably. But it's a long game. And eventually you will. And then it will just keep on going.
1: We did an alpha trial with Victoria and... Gothenburg Inventors Association in fall 2020. And I met uh, Frederick, one of the people who took part in December. And, you know, we talked about all the challenges, and they're still collaborating with people we matched them with, with some of them. And he's invited us to Gothenburg Inventors Association to give a presentation to the whole group. So it just shows what can happen if you build that relationship from the very start. And you've just find out so much information as you said Victoria, the is just to uh, be quiet and listen, mm-hmm. listen, 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 document, document all the information but it, it going back to the customer needs is really how you find out you solve their problems and challenges. How have you found your first customers, P-Man?
0: Well first, uh, the first customers for the fertility monitor became me and my wife so it was pretty close to home but the, the, pro, the, the hard part is when you don't use, need your own product, then it becomes hard. Then you have to do it, as Victoria said. You have to listen. You have to listen. But one thing, though, you should think it through before acting on all the input you get from your customer. You should listen hard and closely, but you should gather a lot of data before acting upon it. Because as soon as you act upon something, it costs money. And you want to make the most impact for them with minimum cost. So we prioritize all the things and talk even more with the customers to understand what they really, really want. So you have to filter through what they're saying to see what they need, not what they want. That's hard.
1: There's um, a great quote, Uh, I think it was from one of the Fords, about if if the car would never have been invented because people wanted a faster horse-drawn carriage. Yeah,
0: exactly.
2: (laughs) But I mean, this is where all our talents come in and everyone carries this talent. When you're really listening, when you're super curious, you can translate the needs people describe. That's when your talent comes into play, is to think about to listen in what they're really are saying that they're need that they're needing. That's when your education and all your brilliant ideas come into play. But don't rush it. Stay in the game and really stay curious and really listen. Yeah.
1: Also you can test once you listen, thought, use your own knowledge and background you can then actually test that on other people if you've got a platform you don't have to program develop something you can test off the platform completely just to test a hypothesis and see see whether it works there's so many easy ways now to test different things out
0: we tested our i mean we're a smart reminder we're in the smart reminder business to remind you to take your meds so we tested it out by sending sms manually i sent sms Uh, That's the first uh, prototype. And if it helped, then we continued. So, yeah, you can do it pretty cheaply.
2: Well, I'm really glad you tested because now you developed a service that I use every day.
0: Yeah, awesome.
1: And that just that just shows how important the little tests are, but also what a big difference that can have as well, because, as you said, impacting Victoria. But I know through my history working in different charities in the UK, like your product could impact millions of people around the world because people not taking their medications is such a big cost Mm. in terms of health across the world.
0: Yeah, the, the fertility monitor thing, I just come up with some insight I got during the journey. It was we, we made this, you measure your saliva to see um, salinity in it, and then use that and the temperature to lock your period in, right? Yeah, that was really cool and helpful, but we ended up finding out that the couples that are trying to get pregnant have psychological problems because it's it really hard pressure to not get pregnant every month for a year for two years, right? And the man in the relationship didn't understand the woman because of the you know all the different things. So we uh, we ended up wanting to do a totally different thing. We wanted to do an app to help you with this psychological stuff to help the the male person support the female to understand their body etc etc and that would help a lot more than the device we made so you know this is what we ended up with understanding by, by, by failing
1: this brings us nicely to something i wanted to talk about and that's pivoting did you pivot that idea and if you're running a business when do you know when to pivot
0: you pivot when you see that the evidence is pointing to something else than that you're doing right now. That's what happened in our case when we started to do interviews for the first time with our customers. Then we're like, oh, we should focus on this thing. But the, the problem was um, we had spent so much money and time already, so we didn't have the energy left to pivot. So we just stopped the project and, and started another thing. this med med box thing instead and took all of what we learned from that and put it in. But you pivot when you actually see that you're doing something that nobody really, if you do this little thing instead, you impact a lot more. Then you pivot.
2: Exactly. And I don't think enough people are pivoting. Because if you you know you're not going in a direction where you have flow, you're not going in a good uh, direction. Sometimes, yeah, you shouldn't give up. uh, But you will know when you found uh, the gold, you know, and then you keep digging for the gold, you know. If it's too difficult, it's time to pivot to just try it another way. It's not failing, or even if it's failing, it's just trying it some some way different. Mm.
1: Then, how does someone distinguish between a need to pivot and a low point in the entrepreneurial roller coaster journey?
0: They usually coincide, usually. In my, in my experience, when I've been in a low point, it's because I don't understand my customer well enough, usually. But, I mean, a lot of other things can affect you to a low point. I mean, if it's an... So, so what you need to do to answer your question is to have data that supports what, what you're saying. So, for instance, do you know enough about your customer to know what you're doing is the correct thing? Because you can be... Uh, really depressed because you don't have any money or get any, any investment. That's another thing. But if you really, so, so you have to have data that backs that up all the time.
2: But life is a roller coaster. Thinking it's just going to be a s- smooth ride. Oh no. Yeah, no, 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 no. But that that's it. Uh, but on the again, what we talked about uh, having your driving forces. Uh, I I've, I've many times i have told the example when I worked in the, the Sahara Desert in Morocco. I had a favorite album in my phone. So I had these uh, 10, 20 photos of great things. One photo where I had just, uh, you know, we're celebrating a well that we built and just holding a goat or whatever. But I had 10, 20 really good uh, photos that reminded me of the small and big accomplishments that my team had, uh, you know, experienced together. So on a really shitty days, you know in dealing with the commune or lots of nose or sandstorm whatever it was you know you bring up this album and you remind yourself of the why. you know you remind yourself of why you're getting out of bed you know and uh, i mean i had the great fortune to be there and uh, just with our talented team to save the life of one little girl that was 11 and when you've done that uh, i think you're flying for the rest of your life
1: it shows a hugely positive impact and why your why is so important. If you were starting a new business tomorrow, what would you do
0: differently? Get customers right away from day zero.
2: It's funny because we just discussed this also over lunch. And I think if I would, I mean, I am writing a book right now. Uh, so, but if I started a company today, I, I would say what Payman said, you know, I would I would know there would be clients. So I would be doing a lot of uh, research uh, and have a lot of talks first so that I would already have a a contract that I knew would fuel the beginning. Absolutely. I think we've come to this stage in in life uh, so that we know, you know, that's just a skill you get. I've done. I'll probably regret this, but I've done so many crazy things in my life that uh, there's super crazy jumping off uh, bridges without knowing what's underneath. Maybe that time in my life is no more, but I'll keep exploring, but I'll just be a tiny bit wiser. This time I'll make sure I have uh, the security and a good backpack or a good parachute when I go. So there we go.
1: Excellent. You talked about earlier about making sure you've got different skills. How did you w- realize what skills you needed in the businesses you started?
0: Yeah, the funny part with entrepreneurship is you. I think I think you need to know a little bit about all the stuff in in your company to be able to detect bullshit and uh, save money and to me to you know because your company is going to need that especially when it's young so that's why it's also important to if you want to try this out just do it right away because you need to learn a lot of stuff and it's good to start as soon as you can so you can go through the full cycle and fail because then you have learned a lot basically you need to know uh Marketing. You need to understand customers. How to interview customers. In, in other words, shut up and listen a lot. And then uh, you need to know a little bit about design, a little bit about tech, a little bit about sales, economy, how to run a business, economy-wise and stuff. And and you have you don't have to know everything at once. But you have to learn during the you know course.
2: I think any team member that you're looking for look for somebody that's passionate yes. about uh, your passion and also look uh, look for a team member that's super curious and open-minded with a willingness to learn and to share equally I think uh, I think the future is ahead of all of us so we of course uh, bring in uh, whatever talents and skills and educational you know wisdom that we have But please remember, but the future of your team member is just that in the future, you form it together. So just really look at somebody's potential. I urge people always to look at the potential. And it really it comes with a mindset. If you're driven by passion for the same thing, a lot becomes easier. It's like my mom said, and when we built a well in the Sahara Desert, hello, Victoria, did you? I didn't even know you knew anything about it. Hello, mom, YouTube. (laughs) and i had wise friends because i was super curious that could guide us and help us around the world so you can be whatever you want simply by passion and curiosity
1: it's so easy to connect with people all over the world now too what gives you both hope for the future
0: people like victoria gives me hope
2: thank you i my hope comes Every day when I meet uh, entrepreneurs and people, like I had a conversation with a woman from Sri Lanka this morning. And just by having a conversation, really listening to her and giving her clues like we all can give each other and putting a smile on her face and the, the realization that she could do it, that brings me hope. And in my job, I meet so many talented change makers. There's so much hope out there. Uh, So many people with fantastic ideas, like both yourselves also, you know, both of your ideas is breaking, you know, making the world a tiny bit better in its own self. And if we really look and have a conversation with people, it's all around. It's right there. So the world is a beautiful place and it belongs to all of us. So let's just keep listening and smiling.
1: Here we go. (laughs) Thank you so much. If you've got one key takeaway, that to me is probably the perfect key takeaway. But if you've got one key takeaway for listeners from today, what would it be?
0: Don't be afraid. Just do it. Everything is possible.
2: I'm right there. Just do it.
1: Excellent. Thank you so much, both of you. Thank you for having us.
2: Shukran Kitos palyon. So what were
1: your key takeaways from today? For me... It's really to embrace failure, how close all the team should be to your customers and to get paying customers from the very beginning. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please do share on social media and with your family and friends. Please do subscribe to the podcast and I look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you.